Hello and welcome to episode 271 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going very well, Andrew. Um, life's good. How's how's thing going for you? Yeah, it looks not too bad. Been a bit hot. Yeah, a little bit hot. Um, the, uh, I see some of the political people on the... Uh, on the Twitter machine, I've been sitting there wondering when the uh, when Penrith was going to start getting beachside property from the global warming. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that. Hey, yeah, the, I'm not uh, sure. I'm not sure it works that rapidly, but uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I know that if they start taxing us more, though, that will help things. Well, that, that's how it works. Yeah. Tell you what, though, some things that you don't need to pay tax on are the things that you get from Manscaped.com. Have you ever heard the uh, term brass tax? Brass tax, I have. Yeah. Have you ever heard um, would freeze the balls off a brass monkey? I have indeed. Do you know that that's not a rude saying at all and what a brass monkey is? Do go on. Okay, a brass monkey is what they used to keep cannonballs. It's like a big circle of brass and you would pile cannonballs in it. And, of course, when it would get colder that brass would contract and the cannonballs would tend to pop out so it would freeze the balls off the brass monkey. What does all this mean? Well, if you want to shave your testicles, I suggest you go to manscaped.com. Manscaped.com is at the cutting edge, pardon the pun, of shaving your man area. I'm talking about your testicles and your chunk, all that general area downstairs. You want to feel good. You want to look good. This is the way to do it. And at FurgoandTheFreak.com, we're giving you a really good deal because you can get 20% off and free shipping on anything you buy at Manscaped.com just by putting in a code, and that code is NRL. I want you to remember that code, NRL. 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 Not M. Put that in at checkout, right? 20% off, free shipping. They give you a 30-day money-back guarantee Go and get yourself the perfect package. Get yourself the Lawnmower 3.0. Just think about it. 3.0, there's been three versions of this, and this is the latest one. It's waterproof. It's got a recharge stand. It's got a ceramic blade, so it just doesn't go blunt at all. It's got different heights, so you can go for a bunch of different looks. You can go for, like, the Sturlo where it's just completely smooth, or you can go for, who's someone else, the Clinton Schiffowski, where it's yeah. just got, you know, a little bit of something there to you see. Can do the, you can do the Pappenhausen, where it's just all bush in the middle and just all shaved on the sides. Exactly. You, and, and you can have all of these over time. You can drop, every time you drop your pants, you can have your significant other saying, where are you going with the Pappenhausen today? It's like, yeah, I sure have. And you can only do that if you go to manscaped.com, put in our code NRL, 20% off, free shipping, third day money back guarantee. You've got to love it. Boom. Now, uh, something that we you can't really love yeah. is the Super League management. Yeah, they did a really good deal that led nowhere, hey? <laughs> and still cost them money. So yeah. there's a story that's come from um, the League Express magazine over in England. And I'm going to read the whole thing out to you here, okay? So 
League Express understands that the Super League clubs have turned their backs on the prospect of attracting private equity investment, at least for the time being. The process of attractive private investment into the game has been a lengthy one, with arguments on both sides about its desirability. With several Super League clubs edging near to insolvency, the prospect of an investment around £60 million into the game has been an attractive one for those clubs that lack alternative means of raising finance. League Express revealed last year that one particular private equity company, Novel Pina, had expressed interest and was ready to make an offer. But with Super League split broadly down the middle, some clubs are known to have opposed their involvement because it would mean that Novel Pina would effectively take control of Super League and would get its money back in five years out of the broadcast income generated by the competition. That's kind of how investments work. Mm. Um, although Super League has yet to confirm the decision, which was made on Friday, League Express understands that its executive chairman, Robert Elstone, has now accepted that the proposal is unlikely to gain unanimous support. It is now likely to be put on the back burner with no guarantee that the proposal will be revived. But the cost of doing so will be to pay an abort fee to the merchant banker, Jay Rothschild, for doing the job of introducing an investor to Super League. League Express understands that the fee payable to Rothschild will be around... Seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Fucking what? <laughs> Better news for Elstone, however, is that it appears that Sky has increased its offer for a new broadcasting contract. Oh, good. I wonder cool. if that'll cover. I wonder if that'll cover it. Well, it'll cover a small percentage of it. After initially offering twenty million pounds per year, the new offer is thought to be much nearer to thirty million pounds per year. So if they can sign a, uh, oh, let's see, a twenty, oh, nearly a thirty-year deal, they'll pay that back and have a bit of money in the bank. Well, how about this, right? The new deal is closer to thirty million than twenty million. So if it's twenty million and one dollar, it's <laughs> closer <laughs> to thirty million. That's right. Twenty million pounds and five p. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because that's what about you get for a dollar is five p, mm. but uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds for an introduction and to say no, yeah. And I like the idea that Super League clubs are like, you know what? What we want is for a private investment company to come in and pay all of this money to us based on nothing. It's just a number they come up with, and then we'll pay them off down the track. That's a loan. Yeah. That's not an investment. That's like, that's just a loan. Yeah. Man, that fee though is, oh, Oh, it's outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. How how many, how many offers are they going to knock back until they're happy with something? Well, like they didn't officially get an offer. It sounds like, it sounds like the, there was one company that looked into it. Obviously, we know the NRL looked into it and didn't make an offer. And this other company didn't officially make an offer. And it's cost them three quarters of a million pounds. Uh, everyone should just be fired. Like if I was, if I had a, a share in Super League as a Super League club, the management goes because you just cost me 750 million pounds for nothing. It's it's mad. They could have they could have bought a white elephant stadium somewhere other than Bradford for that money. They could they could have actually smoothed out the corner at Odsall. 
They really could. They could have evened the ground out. It would have been great. Yeah. They could have actually put seat on that hill. Mm. Just one seat. Oh, yeah. We don't want to go overboard. <laughs> no. We don't want to have too many. Oh, H&S, man. <laughs> exactly. Now, I'm, I know we hadn't talked about this, but I'm just going to let you know that uh, we'll, we're, we're sitting on this. Yeah. Okay, because we're seeing that there's a lot of businesses out there that are, well, I won't say a lot, it's now two, yeah, who've yeah. looked at this purchase. Yeah. And they've backed away. And the thing is, the more the more times they back away, mm-hmm. the more dire it sounds from England. Yeah. So now we're hearing that there's a lot of clubs that are nearing insolvency. The mm-hmm. game itself is struggling to make money. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to invest in it because of that. So we're waiting until sheer desperation kicks in. Yeah. No one wants to be a part of this thing. And I can I can guarantee you that Freaky and I, we've been saving up. And we've got one beautiful pound that we are willing to offer to buy Super League. And we will be happy to do it without using the Rothschild Bank. Yeah, and you know the thing is too, it is closer to the 70 million pounds they want than zero. (laughs) This is exactly right. Um, So, yeah, one pound. We're just waiting on the Australian dollar to um, improve a little bit so it doesn't cost us as much, obviously. I mean, we're we're not idiots. Yeah, Um, (laughs) we're investing here. We're not loaning. And um, this is not for some pissy half share. I mean, this is one pound, and it's for 100% ownership. Mm -hmm. And we get to do whatever the hell we want with it. Yeah, and, like, I mean, obviously the first thing we do is we change the S logo because that happens every five minutes in Super League. Um, I don't think it's fat enough. I, I know I want that S logo when people to look at it to go like, wow, it's so brave. That's true, that's true. Um, I, I've been in talks with Papa John's, mm-hmm. and I think I'm going to get them over the line to yeah. give us two pounds a year. Instead of free pizza. So we've already made our money back. And we're actually we're up a pound. Yeah. Mate, you've got to start small, but you know, that this is progress and that's new for Super League. It's business. This is yeah. how businessmen do business. That's right. This is this is how we roll. Yeah. Um what's we gotta do? We've we've also got to bring in some new teams. Well I know we've probably done this before. Yeah. But um we can be brazen about this now. I mean, this is now, it's going to be our business. Well, what you want to do is you want to look for true expansion of the game and you would want to look for the best catchment area. You'd want to look for the biggest markets. I'm thinking Dewsbury. Dewsbury? Yeah, 100%. They're like, you can go hundreds of yards and not run into another Super League club. So I think Dewsbury's got a market there. That's good. I think, too, that we need to adopt a little bit of what the AFL's done in Australia when it comes to competing with the NRL. So okay. I think we need a rugby league team in Bath. In Bath? Yeah. We've yeah, got to take over that whole that whole southern part of England. It's an untapped market. You know, it'd have to be full of uh, imports, though, because I just can't imagine that you're going to get any English players wanting a bath. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Um, I'm sure we can arrange that. Yeah. I mean, most most of these rugby league teams in England are full of imports anyway. 
So that shouldn't be a problem. Oh, yeah, it'll be easy. You just look like every other Super League club. Yeah. Um, where else do we need a team? Uh, where would be a good place? You know what? Yeah. We need to get one in the Lakes District. Yeah. There's, a, there's an area up there, mm-hmm. and it's called Penrith. To the yeah, north. We'll call them the Panthers. That's, I like the alliteration. Yeah. That's brilliant. Fuck Halifax. <laughs> Hello, who? Halifax blue socked Panthers. Like what? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I reckon we call them the Penrith Panthers. Um, I don't know how big Penrith is in the Lakes District, but, you know, it's probably not going to be too small. No, I, guess... I mean, it's close to Scotland, so they can use Scotland as their, as their feeder area. Yeah, that would be good. A lot of talent come from Scotland. Imagine Penrith bringing through someone like Coot. Exactly. It's bound to work. Yeah. So that's going to be good. Um, another move, we need a super club, and it's got to be a merger of two um, historic clubs, just like we've got in the NRL. Okay, so... so I'm, I'm what thinking... Mm-hmm. Well, my idea was to have it kind of like the West Tigers. Yeah. But it needs to be on the West. So I'm guessing maybe St. Helens and Wigan can merge. Yeah, well, once successful in St. Helens, and uh, the other one used to be in Wigan, um, it'd be nice for the merged entity. I don't know what you'd call it, St. Wiggins. You'd call them, just call them West Tigers. West, well, fuck it. Call them the West Tigers, right? And, uh, but it'd be nice for Wigan fans to turn up to a stadium that they don't, you know, they're not allowed to use just when the soccer team isn't playing. That's right. They'll be able to, they'll be like, wow, we can actually mark out the whole field. This is great. <laughs> I wonder what the DW stands for in DW Stadium. Uh, don't worry. That's what it stands for. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else could we have? Is that... Is that pretty much it for now? We don't want to give away all our secrets. Yeah, we got to hold something back because you, you're going with a proposal. You just tease, tease them with a little bit. That's right. And, uh, That's just yeah. to get them over the line. Yeah, you get them hooked. That's, That's right. how they do it in whole KR anyway. In more ways than one. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, do you think the Super League can honestly hang on to Robert Elstone for much longer? They can't. He, he should go now. Three quarters of a million pounds for nothing. This guy's like, oh, listen, I'm gonna, I know we're all bleeding money, but I'm going to get some money in and loses three quarters of a million pounds. If he'd done nothing, if he'd done absolutely nothing, if he stayed at home with a fucking mask on his face, they would be up three quarters of a million pounds. He's got to go today. It's, it's dire. Yeah. And they're actually in a situation where they really do need to get a former NRL boss in there. And like, well, they, they need it soon. They need Greenberg someone who can... is Greenberg's off the table. He got a job today. He did, I see. He's, he's now back in cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they missed the boat there. Uh, I, I just think that it's a lost cause. I don't know what you do. They can't play football. You know, they're not going to be playing football anytime soon. Uh, they're, they're so geographically confined. You know, they look at just looking at the locations they're based. It looks like a semi-professional competition. 
now they're basically biting the bullet and they almost are a semi-professional competition. They've got players there that don't have minimum wage. Um, I just don't see, like, what you do with it. Uh, you know, you've got to start again. Start from scratch. They, they need a merchant banker as their boss. I know who you're thinking about. Mm. I wonder what he's doing these days. I don't know. But, man, they, they need him there. I mean, that was the great thing about when uh, Smith was running the, the NRL. It was all about the business side of things. He kept mm-hmm. away from the stuff on the field. Mm-hmm. It was all about setting up business deals, setting up the organization so it went from being run by footballers to being run like a proper business for a change. Yeah. And made it foolproof. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they need. Over there. They need someone to go over there, start talking with actual big money people and say, right, we need to get some big money pumped into this thing. And also allow those people who are tipping in the big money to sponsor the game to have a say in how it should run. Not a huge say. Mm. Give, them, give them one seat on the boards so that they feel involved. Because if you get them feeling involved in there, like they're having a bit of a say in it, they're probably going to be a bit more inclined to want to keep tipping those coins in. See, the problem is, though, like if you're a big business, say you, you have a national company in England or Great Britain, and the Super League comes to you and says, hey, we'd like you to sponsor our competition. You'll get exposure. And you, th- you think to yourself, well, where am I getting exposure? And it's in small towns in the north. Like it's not a national competition. So the first thing I would say is, well, no thanks because, you know, you're not a national competition. Come back when you're a national competition. And as soon as you say that, all of the current teams just, you know, crap themselves and decide they don't like the sound of that. Like the next team on the chopping block is going to be Catalan. Yeah, they're just you know waiting for Catalan. To, they're just waiting for Catalan to fall to fall over. Yeah, and just at the show moment, any sign of weakness and they'll be gone. Yeah, they they at the same time they're the only team in there that's giving the Super League a chance to get a decent TV rights deal, as small as it is. Because at least they've got a little bit of money coming from, you know, some other part other than the, you know, this tiny part along a highway in northern England. I, I think, I think what Super League needs to do is stop trying to find an English sponsor for their for everything. Mm-hmm. Look for things online. Go after big name businesses that are online that are global. Hit up Twitter. Hit up Facebook. Have the have the Twitter Super League competition. Who you know, you've got to start thinking about stuff outside the box, and got to think think about things that are online because you can start to buy that, start to promote the game, uh, you know, online. And you can have it live streamed and stuff like that. You know, there's, there's a ton of websites and stuff you could do that with. Yeah, and they need to start thinking. Uh, Outside the box, instead of thinking the same way that they've always done for years, because that's got them to where they are now, which is in a horrible position. They've got to start changing the way they look at things, and that's why they need to have completely new eyes on the game. They've got to take, you know, the, one of the worst things we saw was how Toronto was removed from the from well from the game essentially. Yeah, and that was clubs acting in their own interests, mm-hmm. and. That has to be removed as well. You can't have the clubs having that much of a say over how the competition is run. No, no. And there needs to be a a strategy for how they're going to expand the game because there isn't one right now. Um, 
you know, and, and that all comes down to where they want to be commercially in 10 years, you know, 20 years. Because right now, like, I just, they're not going to survive. They're no, just not, right. you know, and, right. and this, we're looking at this in best case scenario. It, right now, they don't know when they're going to be able to play a game. Like, I know that they're aiming for March, but they're not going to be playing games in March, I don't think. No, they they generally do not know. That's a, that's the crazy thing about it. Mm. Um, I mean, they are they are struggling for money hard. Yeah, 30, 30 million pounds. Okay, if they if they're getting that, that's only about that works out at two point five million per club. If they were to disperse it that way, which would leave Super League with nothing. Yeah, they're stuffed. I don't know where they got their valuations from when they were looking for an investor. But it was so overpriced, it was ridiculous because you don't know what you're getting. You get, Like, what are you getting? You're getting a competition that's tiny. You're getting a competition whose TV rights are going backwards at a rate. And you're getting one that is that has just contracted, that had a team in Toronto, it contracted. Then it added a team from a, like, I mean, I don't even know if you could call it a town. It's so small. It's just ridiculous that they were asking for so much money. And that's why they didn't get a single offer, a single concrete offer. And it cost them that much money to not get an offer. Um, it's madness. I think the, the the price they've put on their, you know, they've put on their game, to me, that's an indication of how bad they are financially, is that they are, they are in dire need of a huge cash injection. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that's the problem. They've looked at it from that point of view of how yeah, much that, do we need? We need X. Okay, so that's what we're going to ask for. But that's not how it works. You know, that's not how an investment company is going to look at anything. No, that's right. And so at the moment, what they, <laughs> the way they're running it is kind of the same way that a gambling addict runs their finances when they're playing the poker machines. <laughs> Yeah. Right. You, you drop a 50 in there, you lose, you go, right, I've got to put another 50 in there and win that back. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to make back another 50 for the extra 50 I put in there. And then you go, bang, bang, you go, oh, I won 100 bucks. Right, I'm back to square. Go, right, let's put another 50 in there. And then maybe I'll win another 100 bucks. And then I'll be up by 50 bucks and go, bang, oh, I blew it. Well, I've got to put the other 50 in. And you start chasing your tail. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm down $50 notes. And then but, here we go. But the thing is, they never say like, they always go like, oh, you know what? On two hundred and fifty bucks on the pokies, you say, "Cool, how much did you go out with?" Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, I went out with seven hundred bucks, but I won two hundred and fifty bucks yeah. on the pokies. Yeah, that's that's always the, uh, the 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 forgotten part of the story, so to speak. Yeah, and I'd I'd like to know the health of the Super League's finances. I just wouldn't be shocked if. You went if there just come a point if they don't start playing footy right in March, and it drags on and on. I just wouldn't be shocked if we got to like, you know, June, and four clubs went bust, or just straight away. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, and that's the thing. I mean, right now, and we said this before, the RFL, the championship, is looking like the strongest competition they have. They're not burdened yeah. by the financial demands that the Super League is. Mm-hmm. 
um, sure, they'd all like more money. But they're playing on shoestring budgets and always have because that's the way the stupid thing is set up. It's not set up so that everyone gets a decent share of cash. It's set up so Super League hoards most of the money and everyone else has to fight over the dregs. Yeah, so, and like by the time you get down to junior football, there's no money at all. No. And that's why their juniors have just rotted away over in England. That's right. So I think if the at the moment the RFL's got a more expand, expansive competition, it's a bigger competition, more teams in it. Um, I think they're in a stronger position as far as trying to appeal to an investor. And they should go out and do that. As right now, Super League is, if it's not shot, it's close to it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and, and it's not going to change. It, you know, we've seen all of these different ideas brought in, we've seen different people running the ship, and it's it just keeps sinking. You know, it's just a new captain that they bring in while they keep bailing water. It's yeah. ridiculous. And it's been going on now for so long. You know, it started in the early 80s. And it just, you know, paper over the cracks. And we get to, you know, the 90s. Oh, yeah. Get to the late 90s. Well, we're not really that bad. And it gets into the noughties. We're not that bad. Oh, look at Bradford. Oh, Bradford's gone now. You know, and it just keeps going and going and going. And I'm just over trying to come up with ideas to try and fix Super League because it doesn't need fixed anymore. It's it's finished, it needs, and it's a case yeah, of it needs we, life support. It needs yeah, saving. Do we just scrap it and start again? Well, this or, is the thing. I think in the end, if they don't get an investor, yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain that the NRL will come to their aid and they will buy it, but they won't be buying it for the money that Super League wants. I'd be outraged if the NRL bought it. I'd tell you what. I reckon the NRL would probably come in and just say, "Look, we're going to come over and we will admit will be your administrators for the game. And they will, instead of giving them a chunk of money, mm-hmm. they're going to be a bit wiser about it. Say, right, we're going to make sure that, you know, we get you to, we, we're giving you just enough money so that you survive and we're going to run your game and we're going to try and do what we can to make sure that you get back up making money and being able to stand on your own two feet and also paying us back for the money we've given you. I think that's something that they would just dump money in and walk away and say, here you go, because the NRL themselves would know that that would just be throwing money away. So they would step in and generally administrate the Super League. Yeah. And I think that's the only way to go. And that way it would would be cheaper because you wouldn't be pumping means and means of pounds into it. You'd just be giving them enough to make sure everyone's solvent. The competition's got enough money to run on, but they also start doing proper business deals to try and make sure they've got genuine sponsorship they're getting on tv a lot more often so they can get more money from sponsors and they set it up to run a little bit more like the nrl does so they can be self-sufficient look after itself and actually make money and they'll say right you need to pay us back and we'll walk away and you can run it yourselves say i would rather the nrl did that in new zealand i think the nrl should run new zealand rugby league and you know, as an extension of that, say, we're going to take over New Zealand Rugby League, we're going to take over the junior development, going to take over the running of the test side, and as a result, in X number of years, we're going to add a second New Zealand-based NRL team, and 
I, I think that would be far better. I think yeah, if you look at it from a a more like a grand view, you're yeah, going to no, get no, more I'm... players out of there. You're going to get more money out of there. I think. I think there's way more upside to that than England. No, I fully agree. But at the moment, England rugby league needs to be saved. And does it though? Yeah. Uh, but does. does it need saved? It, it does. But you know why? Because it's a, it's a friggin' doorway to the rest of European rugby league. But but if it if it disappeared tomorrow, what would we really lose? We in Australia, nothing. What would New Zealand lose? What would Samoa lose? What would Fiji lose? PNG, probably for a lot of those places an opportunity to have their test players playing regular club football against people from a lot of other different nations. Because at the moment, a lot of them end up playing in the Super League or the Championship because they can't get gigs in, in Australia. And if they do, it's it's at such a lower level. They don't actually get paid. They probably actually get paid less if they were doing that in Australia than what they do over in the Championship. That's why they go over there. And so that's the thing is that those championship and league one, more so than the Super League, are really good at helping these uh, Islander players move up to that next step before getting to the Australian lower grade, so to speak. So it's all a stepping stone. Um, but I I don't want to see the game die anywhere. And no, neither do I. I see, no, I know you don't. But I see England as being vitally important to helping... You know, when it's run properly and it's a genuine, you know, number two competition to the NRL, it should be used as the gateway to help promote rugby league around Europe, just like Australia does around the Pacific Islands. And if we had that and they were both working properly and almost similarly, the game of rugby league would be going absolutely fucking gangbusters worldwide. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The that's, problem- that's the only reason why I, I want to see it not die there or and if it does if look if the super league concept or the business dies someone needs to come in and reboot it the very next year which we can't have we can't have even just one year with no rugby league in england because everyone will just piss off elsewhere they'll go play rugby union and that yeah. the game will be dead there yeah I, just, I just think i i've never felt like english rugby league was special over any other rugby league anywhere else. Oh, it's not special. As no, I said, it's yeah. just a it's just a gateway to help. I mean, imagine if you could if you could have a the Super League and Championship and, and League One. We're starting to actually get a majority of players from Serbia, Germany, Ghana, mm. you know, Lebanon. Instead of just having these guys appear randomly every now and then when when there's a World Cup or a nines on, we get to see them playing more regularly against you know, stronger opposition, which would then improve them and help move them up and improve the quality of international football everywhere, which is, you know, the ultimate goal, I guess. I mean, we've seen that in Australia and in, in the Pacific Islands in the last 20 years. Look back 20 years and Tonga were, you know, genuinely easy beats for a lot of nations. Now, who can you say is generally capable of beating Tonga? Mm. No one. And that's just because... Australia was good enough to set up pathways for all the Pacific Islands so that they could all get that experience in the NRL. And England hasn't been doing that. That's one of the many problems and, and mistakes that they've made is that they've that, been so... 
they haven't been setting up pathways for English players. No, that's right. You know, it's so insular. Everything about it is so insular in the in the English game. It's not even about trying to promote the game to its own fans or to try and promote the game to its own players. It's like you're all no. on your own. Yeah. Yeah. It's your job to survive. That's literally that's literally the way they set it up. It is so fucking irritating the yeah. way they've run that game. And they've been doing it, as you said, since the eighties. Yeah. And they coasted through the eighties when they were actually the strongest into the very early nineties. That's when they peaked. That was when they were at the absolute strongest and they did nothing. And it, the ass fell out of it so quickly that they took whatever money Rupert Murdoch threw at them and they pissed that money up the wall. And this yeah. is where they are. Yep. I agree. I, I just think, you know, if you look at the decline in the game over there, you know, you don't want it to die, but I, I just tend to think we're watching it in its death throes right now. And If, if it did die. Yeah. Do you think it could be rebooted and started up again? Uh, probably, yeah, probably. Would I, it just be that... version two point and more of the same all over again? It depends who's running it. Mm. Like I think if you get and that this is the problem. I think that if you if it all collapsed on itself and there was no rugby league this year and everything went bust, the rugby football league, everything. I think that. And you got, say, the NRL stepping in and saying, look, we're going to restart this in the UK. Um, we're going to put teams here, 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 and here. I think the problem you would have is that you would get a lot of the people that are involved in the demise of the game right now would also be involved in whatever it was that, you know, was 2.0. Yeah. And I think it's a similar thing with, like, say, you know, we were talking the other day, with Richard about, um, you know, why clubs aren't looking at former premiership winners over there. And it's because they, you know, they win a lot of titles at one club and then they go to the next club and they're kind of proven to be absolutely terrible coaches. Yes. And I, I think it would be a similar sort of thing that you'd get people involved that would be just terrible at their job. But that's that, just my point of view. Maybe no, I'm wrong. No, I, I think that's that's absolutely spot on because who else is going to want to get involved in rugby league? No one, because there's not there's no money in it. it you know, it's going nowhere. It's just so disappointing that it's got to this point. And, yeah, like I used to talk about what I would do to fix Super League and all this stuff, and it's just it's at the stage where I think it's unfixable. I think that they'll be semi-professional extremely soon and I think it'll just be a geographical oddity of a sport. You know, it's the sort of thing that will be on, you know, it's some special sports program. In the sport, they play a different kind of rugby. Now, (laughs) let's watch the cheese rolling. You know, it'll be that sort of shit. It'll be on the same level as fucking carrying your wife through an obstacle course. But that sounds like fun. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. I like the techniques they come up with. They're really interesting. It's the evolution of that sport. I reckon there's people out there in that sport who have decided, especially the the uh, the husbands, mm-hmm. like they're keen. They want to win something. 
you know, right, I need to find the smallest possible wife I can. Yeah, yeah. They got some woman who's like four foot one and weighs about 16 kilos, right? We're going to nail this. I wonder if they've had their, remember we had, uh, who was it? Was it Nathan Fien that played for New Zealand? Oh, yeah. Was that Grandma Gate? Yeah, Grandma Gate, <laughs> where he played for New Zealand and it turned out he didn't qualify at all for yeah. New Zealand. And New Zealand were docked points and they still beat Great Britain to get into the final of the, the three nations at that stage. Um, I wonder if they've ever had anything in the, the wife carrying championship where they found out that the, the, the couple involved weren't actually married. <laughs> yeah, they're just engaged. It'd be scandalous. It would be scandalous. That'd be funny. Maybe um, they need a second division where it's like the de facto carrying championships. <laughs> and speaking of partners, Yes. You've got a story there about uh, two partners in crime? Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. Well, <coughs> I'm, I'm using that term loosely, not not um, literally. So, NRL.com I'm reading this from. This was from who Who wrote this? No, it doesn't say who wrote this. Staff uh, writers. Staff writers. This yeah, time. nice. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, St. George Illawarra 5'8", Corey Norman and James Seguiaro who is not with the club at the moment and is, I believe, in the process of seeing whether he's banned from the sport for alleged performance-enhancing drug use, um, have taken to social media to defend their actions after footage was broadcast of their involvement in an altercation on Friday night in Cronulla. Now, this is a statement put out by random letters i don't know what the fucking uh, random letters stand that, for so those um norman and, and um Seguiaro, they own yeah. a clothing company and that's who the statement comes from is their clothing uh, company okay sweet yeah. all right so the statement reads and it says statement <laughs> chico and Corey were involved in an altercation in cronulla on friday night before the media have an opportunity to do their thing we want to be fully transparent here's what happened the two boys were walking home after dinner with two females when they were approached by a group of four men, one of whom began to racially abuse Chico, calling him the N-word. An argument ensued and Corey came in to defuse the situation. He was then blindsided and a fight broke out. It had all but broken up when one of them threatened to pull a knife. As individuals and as a brand, we will always stand up against racism. Sometimes it's as simple as resharing a post or making a video. Other times it means defending yourself. Although we don't condone, condone violence, if there is a time to fight, then let it be against racism, protecting female company, and having your friends back. Corey let his club know the next morning, and we have been in touch with the RLPA regarding the incident. Thanks for taking the time to read. And then it's them random letters. I like the fact that they want to stand up against racism, but uh, Seguiaro's nickname is one that um, Alan's lollies didn't agree with. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bit strange, eh? 
<laughs> but he uh, called him Seguiaro. I like when they call themselves the brand. Yeah. Do you get around calling yourself a brand? All the time. I just walk around going, and say, oh, what's your name? I go, Rugby League Project is who I am. Yeah. It's what I do. People say, what should I call you? And I say, just call me the Glorious League Freak. But you've got to say glorious properly. Like, you can't What's say right? glorious. You've got to say the when, glorious. When you're filling in paperwork for your name and stuff. Yeah. Is is glorious your first name or is the glorious your first name or is glorious your middle name? It's actually my pronoun. Oh, your pronoun. Yeah, yeah. So my name, my first name's League. My second name is Freak. But my pronoun, it, pronoun is the glorious. Uh-huh. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's How do you all... that? Is that? Does that shorten down to just GL? No, no, no. The glor- It's got to be the glorious. Oh, I know that, but I mean, you know how Mister shortens down to MR. No, you got to shorten it down to two to two or three letters. See, I don't because how about GLO? You can just be glow. No, see, see, then then that is um, that's uh, oh, what do they call it? I guess that's cultural misappropriation. <laughs> We could use three other letters like G U S. Which no, nah, I'm not. I'm refuse G U S. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. That's the only the only um, viewpoint that's come out of this story so far. We've got some footage taken from a uh, a Nokia sixty two ten. Yeah, uh, that's great footage. That is. I reckon, eh? Yeah, may, may as well have been taken by, you know, may as well just been drawn. They, yes. I, I don't know how it come out that it was them. Well, they, they released that statement. Yeah, like, if I would have just shut up. Yeah, they could have just what? shut their mouth and would have got away with it, because you can't see any, you can't even see the fighting that's taken place. The footage ah. is so dire. I would have said that could have been been any, like, blurry figure. How could they? How could they luck out so much that they found the only people in Sydney with a camera phone mm. that still doesn't even have single digits megapixels? I know, right? <laughs> it, it's a weird one. It's a very weird one. Um, you know, <laughs> another I video. Decide, I just have to decide if they take the front foot approach. Yeah. Then there's a fair chance they'll get off. Now, if you're the dragons. Mm-hmm. After you spent this much money on Norman, and given the return you've got on your investment on the field, do you take the opportunity to give him the sack if there's an option there, so you can get some of your money back and buy someone else? Yeah, harsh it's... as it may be, because if he is found innocent, then yeah. it's a harsh call. But do you pull the trigger on that and hope to move forward and go in some other direction for your halves on the field? Look, I don't think they can because. In this statement, they've said that uh, I almost called him Chico Ferguson, hey, because I'm looking at Chico on the thing. <laughs> that uh, that if Seguiaro was racially abused, right, it, it's it, it'd be really harsh to sack Corey Norman over this. Um, you know, I know the NRL Integrity Unit's going to be looking into this. I don't think they're going to get much out of the video. No. And I, I just think that they're – I think that this is going to be one of those things where maybe they say to Corey Norman, look, 
we've got to be seen to be doing something. So we're going to give you like a $5,000 fine, mm. which you'll hardly feel. Yeah. And you're going to say that you're sorry for dragging the club into this sort of thing. And, but in reality, we're all just going to forget it all. That, that is exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, they're not, the NRL is not going to crack down on people who um, have claimed that they were standing up against racism. Yeah. Because that's, mean, a, that's a horrible PR situation to be in. So it's smart play. Mm-hmm. Not, not saying it is play, but, you know, it, it's a, I suppose that's the smart thing done by Corey Norman there to have come forward straight away and put his case forward and tell his version of events. I think that's always going to be a smart thing to do too because you don't allow the media to run their own agendas first. We can see what they do with that sort of crap. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if, if he hadn't have come forward and, and put this statement out and it came known later that it was Corey Norman, then you can bet your bottom dollar there'd have been articles with every single minor indiscretion Corey Norman's ever made since he was three years old come out in these articles mm-hmm. and talking about how he's a bad boy and blah, 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 blah. And they'd miss all the things that went on. Yeah. So I think they've done the right thing coming forward, putting putting out their side of events. It's going to be hard to see... If, yeah, as you say, if there's going to be any other parts of the story. And, yeah, I think you'll get some minor fine and that'll be it. Yeah, that that should be the end of it anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's... These players have got to stop going to Cronulla. <laughs> Cronulla's the problem. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. It's We almost got through the off-season. Wasn't there something else that happened? Um, uh, David Vafita went to someone's house, or Payne Haas did. Payne Haas Payne, got cranky at the cops. And Payne Haas, yeah. And then there was um, uh, Starling from... Uh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, he's had he had like about seven charges, six or seven charges dropped. So he's only got one charge in their house to face, which sounds really off to me. And, and I don't mean that against him. I just think that... To get charged with that many offences, and then when you start to get close to the date where you're going to have to stand in court, and all of them except the one get dropped, that's there's something that there's something about that that feels wrong. And yeah, it, it raises, let's be honest, it raises questions. Yeah, hell yeah, and like uh, you know, Scott last year, like we went off about that. You know, when he got charged with a hand a handful of offences. And then it turned out that, like, really, the, the thing that he'd done was falling asleep under a tree. Yeah, that was... It, 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 was, it was bad. That was, that was bad. Um, and we saw then, too, how the media went nuts over it. Yep. They love that stuff. So, um... Yeah, he's he's hoping that that they, they get a decent um, hearing out of this. It doesn't go through the the bloody media like too many of these stories do. Fingers crossed, and things get sorted out quickly and intelligently. Um, speaking of sorting out <laughs> things quickly and intelligently, uh, <laughs> yes, um, the West Tigers. Let me um, guess. Let me guess, Andrew. 
they're, they're in negotiations about some sort of uh, and they've kept it very quiet. They're playing the cards close to their chest and they're being very professional about things. Which which club did you say? The West Tigers. And what was that P word you said? Professional. Nah. Try try again. Okay. Uh, the, you cannot put those two words in the sentence. Okay, let me try again. They're negotiating through the media about player movement and they're acting like a jealous ex-girlfriend. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's the one. So apparently the the West Tigers centre, who they, they got from the Roosters a few years back, Paul Momorowski, mm-hmm. um, who the West Tigers were more than happy to send to Melbourne for a year. Yeah. He's come back and says uh, he wants a release. Apparently, he's asked for a release twice. Mm-hmm. And the West Tigers have said no both times. Um, it, it's. I mean, we're only going by the words of George Clark here, so I don't know where this story actually came from prior to him. Um, <laughs> but apparently. Did you write about this, Andrew? <laughs> someone, someone did. It wasn't me. Um, apparently, George has found that uh, Momorowski's been told that he's not going to be the first choice centre at Concord. Yeah. I'm pretty certain Momorowski knew that. Yeah. Um, I don't even know that that's the, the drama that's being had there. I think his problem is he doesn't see that he's going to be in the run-on side for the Tigers. I don't know who he thinks he's going to be behind. Um. But Georgie says... James Roberts is going to be playing for the Tigers for a few weeks at least. Hopefully, yeah. Two, maybe three. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Now, Georgie says that he's been told he won't be the first choice centre. He then goes on to say that he's been training at 5-8 during pre-season. Yeah. Ah. Um, and apparently he's held three conversations with Maguire about being granted permission to leave. Canterbury and Penrith are keen on picking him up. He should go to Canterbury. Now, he wouldn't be too bad for Penrith as a depth player because um, he can play centre, he can play on the wing. That'd be his two strong positions. He can mm. fill in at fullback pretty capably. Um and he's got reasonable enough ball skills to fill in as a six if needed, and he's a reliable enough goal kicker. So you cover quite a lot of bases by having him as a depth player somewhere. You can just slot him in whenever you need him. You know, Penrith's successful team now, so they're going to have a few players caught up to origin and test matches, so they're going to have vacancies come up every year. So, you know, he can fill in those positions. That's probably not what he thinks he's going to do. He probably thinks he's going to walk into the run-on side. Every player does. Mm-hmm. But that would be more, I think, the way Penrith would look at him. I think the Tigers were thinking of letting him go to Penrith, but only if they could get Dane Laurie a year early. Yeah. Which, of course, Penrith's going to go, nope. Yes. So, it, you know, it, and I... Look, I, I'd be disappointed if Panthers got him. I don't think we need 
to ever look at bringing in outside backs at the club unless they are legitimate origin quality players. Can I say this? Mm. And I mean, this is literal. He is the sort of player that Ivan Cleary would sign because he did. <laughs> and and that's where I think you need a club that will say no to a coach, hey? Mm-hmm. Because they do, they all do it. You know, they, they all have players that they are comfortable with. And, yeah, I just don't think he's the sort of player Penrith should ever be looking at. And it's not just him. It's like there's plenty of players that I don't think Penrith should look at. We we should never be buying wingers, for instance. Um, we produce lots of great wingers. We produce pretty good centres as well. And I, I just think they don't need him. Um, but, you know, obviously, with the big rivalry between Penrith and the Tigers, massive, like that death rivalry both clubs have, um, Penrith's sole reason for existence is to destroy Potatoes. Um, what would you call it that he's trying to build there? Sandcastle? <laughs> I like the fact you think he's trying to build something. I do. I think he's building something. It would but... be something made out of salt. Yeah. A salt castle. It's a sand castle. It's That's a salt castle. Yeah, I guess the Salt Castle's probably more his style. Huh? He's, um, no. I think one thing Penrith needs to do is just send Potato a little letter and just let him know how he came to leave Penrith. Because he's a bit confused. Mm. And I think a lot of his animosity and a lot of the war emanates from that. I'd like to see Potato and Ivan Cleary meet at Doonside IGA. That is an idea. Yeah. Who would bring the pink net? Definitely I don't know. Potato. But yeah, the big potato. Definitely. Ivan would turn up and he's probably Bentley, you know. <laughs> How? What type of car do you reckon Ivan Cleary would drive? I feel like he would drive something super practical. Yeah, he's not gonna. He's not gonna be getting around some overly excessive thing. I think if he's gonna branch out, he's probably just gonna get a a BMW. You see, I no, I think he drives a a Kia, Kia Carnival. You reckon? Yeah, an eight. I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know if he's going to need a Carnival anymore. His yeah, kids are a bit older, but it's so practical. Maybe he'll go with say a Mazda three. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. What do you reckon? His his boys driving around in? Uh Mercedes. <laughs> Yeah, the same car that Latrell had. I feel, I don't know. Like I feel like he would have a, a pretty ridiculous car. He's on a million bucks a year, right? Ah. And then you take taxes out of that. He's got to buy himself. Stuff. Well, actually, does he? He lives with Tyrone May. Last time I heard, but it'd be his place. Yeah. Well, he's probably renting or something like that, or the, or the club doesn't, so he doesn't have to pay a cent in, in accommodation. That would be pretty amazing. I'm just trying to think of what type of car, like, I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. A Lexus? Yeah, maybe a Lexus, eh? You know, it's an upmarket Toyota, I believe. He's probably getting around one of them. I wonder if any NRL players have Teslas yet. I would get a Tesla. 
and I would get it uh I would get it murdered so it was just flat black. You ever I, seen murdered car? Nah. Oh, they look so good. And I, I'd get I'd murdered Tesla and it, you know, all my teammates would be like, Oh, and I'd be like, I'll I'll give you a quarter mile race and the Teslas, if you've ever seen the videos of Teslas doing the quarter mile, because they're electric cars, they they smoke most things. Yeah, or well, they just go start to go. Yeah, yeah. It's just boom. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go, go with a Tesla. Too much, too much science involved in a Tesla, you see. A lot of players are opposed to science. Okay, but you've got to look at it from, from a player's point of view, okay? It can drive you home. Yeah, but that's, that's science. They don't like science. Have you seen the growing anti-vaxxer community in the players? How many anti-vaxxers are there really, though? There's only about five or six of them, right? Nah, there's heaps of them. There's, really? they're, they're an entire community unto their own nowadays. They won't be for very long. <laughs> <laughs> we just got to wait for the for the virus to do its job. Yeah, it's just a matter of time, really. Exactly. Come on, nature. Hurry this game along. <laughs> We've got but salary yeah. caps to fix up. Uh, where were we? Yes, Momorowski. Um, I think he should go to the Bulldogs. I think he'll get more of an opportunity there. I also think it's a little bit unfair that you got this guy that you've gone to and said, "Look, we want to do a play swap deal with you. You're going to play for the Melbourne Storm." He said yes. Then he's been based at, at uh, where was it up in Queensland, mm. the Sunshine Coast. So he's had a really disrupted year last year. Comes back to the Tigers. Says, look, I think I'd get a better opportunity elsewhere. And they've said, no. Yeah, he's in the last year of his contract. So I don't know what they... I dare say they're assuming that um, the jet uh, may be greater due to COVID. Possibly. There's a bad that, like, joke. This is a... This is a it's a terrible one. I was <laughs> I, I, this is a direct plea to Potato. Potato got to show some compassion here this young man that had a disrupted 2020 and he's just looking to play for a first grade club let him go to the bulldogs and it, you know you'll pick up somebody you know that's been released or you know can't get a visa to england or something you'll get them they're out there yeah they've got the money you know You've, got, you've definitely got the coin, Potato. You can get whoever you want. They'll be able to play 5-8. Do you reckon... Do you reckon Potato would be chasing Josh Dugan at the end of the year? Oh, that would be a very West Tigers signing, wouldn't mm. it? You know who'd exactly. be good for the West Tigers would be Benji Marshall. Well, yeah, but... Yeah. Bit but, of experience, uh, plays 5-8. Imagine getting form. a player like him. Yeah. You know, I just thought, just then I thought, eh, Tigers don't really have a set fallback. They've got a bit of a pension at the moment of picking up guys who were once good uh, and paying good coin on them. It's, not, it's not a new concept. It's not a yeah. new concept. Looking at their resume too. I like mm. that Super League teams do that a lot. They look yeah. at the resume and they say, oh, you know what? Former Test player, former Origin player. 
lot Pull of experience, play, you know, fullback, center, let's bring him on. And then it's like, oh, he can't fucking jog. <laughs> so I I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens because Dugan's off contract at the end of this year. Yeah. Tiger's going to have a bit of coin. If it's not him, they'll be backing up the Matt Moylan tree again. 100. I've, I've, look, if they sign Matt Moylan, I know they're your team, right? And I, I want your team to go well. But if they sign Matt Moylan, I'll be so fucking happy. I'll, I'll, I swear, I will swear, and then I will laugh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but that is... Oh, look, I'm, I'm almost certain that we're going to see stories about those two signings being linked, at least one of those two stories being linked to the Tigers mm. before the year's out. Do you reckon we should start a campaign to get Matt Moylan into the to the orange and black jersey? Um, no. Come on. No. I know there's part of you that's like, you know what? It, it'd be horrible. It'd be ruinous. It'd be a terrible contract. But, man, it would be funny. <laughs> oh, no, I say even... this. I'm I not say in a world-burning right. mood at the moment. <laughs> What's that? I'm not in a world-burning mood at the moment. Okay. See, I always am. I say all of this, and I know that, that one of the storylines is going to be Matt Moylan heading home to Penrith, and, and that worries me. It worries me a little bit. So I think he should play for the men from Campbelltown. Go to Concord, Matt. I know you don't know where it is. But no, seriously, go to Campbelltown and play in the Campbelltown District League. Play, play for the fucking Magpies. Mm. It would be good. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Once again, the West Tigers doing their best to make every single negotiation seem fucking strange <laughs> and vastly more complicated than it needed to be. Yeah, way more. And by, uh, by the way over a player that it's like no one else is chasing. <laughs> what is it about the West Tigers that that they make public negotiation for players that nobody else is looking at? And, the, and then don't seal the deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'm just wondering now, who's, who's worse at management, the West Tigers or Super League? Uh, look, the way it's, it is at the moment, I would say the West Tigers for sure. Like, you think about Super League clubs, you know, they, there was a Super League club signed Elijah Taylor, straightforward, you know. Elijah Taylor wanted to make a, a bit of coin because he was screwed over, allegedly, and so he does deal. It's all straightforward. Now, if that was the West Tigers, and I know he played for them, but if that was the West Tigers... That would have been dragged out through the media really publicly. They would have negotiated against no one. Then it would have been all announced. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. It's a fun club to follow. I imagine it is. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, now, there's a story which came out from the Courier Mail today. Yeah. This isn't much of a story. Just had a curious line in it. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys are pursuing Broncos rising star Tom Dearden, considered the NRL's best young half. And yeah, I we... asked, um, considered by who? 
Mm. And the journalist who wrote it, Chris Gary, replied saying, absolutely arguable. Ask most clubs and officials who have seen Deaton come through ranks and they'll say he's the best young halfback. I'm not saying it's a fact either. Look, I saw it because he's a journalist. I had him um, blocked because I block journalists, apart from a couple of, you know, ones that I like, but I block every other journalist. Um, And I saw that somebody had said, like, what are you talking about? And so I had a look at it. And I, I I said best young half, really, by people that actually watch the game with hmm. knowledge. Like, because I don't know anybody that would say that Dearden's, you know, the best young half in the game. It, it's just wrong. Um, I agree. And look, Roy Ward, another journo, come out and said, Anaral clubs will always pay overs for young halves too, especially if there is a market for the player. He does look promising, but some of others. And the first thing I thought of when that happened was another former talented young halfback from the Broncos, mm-hmm. Ash Taylor. Yeah. That's gone well. Exactly. Like what, the last time the Broncos had a halfback that you actually looked at and thought was good, it was probably... Scott Prince, and they got him from North Queensland, um, mm. you know. And before that, it was Alan Langer. Like we're talking about two ever. Yeah, that's right. They've they've been the Broncos have always been pretty lucky because they've always had genuinely really good organising five eights to look after them. You think from their history, their first three genuine full time five eights were Wally Lewis, Kevin Walters, Darren Lockyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a pretty good lineup. I mean, didn't they have a premiership winning halfback and it was like, was his name Shane Perry, I think? That's the one, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, he's got a premiership trophy. Yeah. I'm not bagging him, but I'm just no. saying there was a, a, a lineage of great halfbacks that won premierships and Shane Perry's name is amongst amongst them, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I just you know, to call him one of the best or to call him the best young halfback. What about fucking Nathan Cleary? Well, Nathan Cleary's four years older than Deaton, so maybe he's not young anymore. Well, when do you stop being young? Well, I asked that question. When do you stop being a young halfback? I asked that question and I said, you know, where does young stop? You know, is Matt Moylan still young Matt Moylan? He'll always be young Matt Moylan, though. So... I don't know. I'd, I'd say for me, a young player is anyone aged 21 and under. See, for me, a, say a young halfback, I'm saying a young halfback, I'm saying 23 and under. <laughs> is that because clear is 23? No, no. It's just at that, because I think 24, I, I can't call you a young halfback anymore. You're just a halfback. And then... When do you become a veteran? That's another one. Is a vet is veteran a number of games or is it an age? I asked that question once on Twitter and got some very um, curious responses. Yeah, what did people um, say? Well, they weren't they weren't too sure because mm. I was saying you know, if you went by age, but they barely played any games, does that make them a veteran if they've only played like eighty games but they're thirty two years old? Because you know you can get twenty year olds who have played a hundred games; they're not a veteran. Well, you look at when Nathan Cleary is, say, 27, 
he's going to have played a hell of a lot of rugby league. Mm. So could you say he's a 27-year-old veteran? I think you can. I think you look at someone like Wade Graham, mm-hmm. and I think you can generally consider him a veteran, and I think he's still in his 20s. Yeah. Let me just check him out. I'm going to guess he's 29. Oh, he, he turned 30 last October. There you oh, go. There you go. It's but pretty close. Even before that, I mean, he's, he's two games shy of 250 first-grade games. Mm-hmm. Well, what, if by games, if you had to do it by games, who's a veteran? Because I feel as though it, it's not anything under 100. No, no. If, if I'm, for me, if I'm going by games, I think you're a veteran once you hit 200 games. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. What's 150? 150 is a is experienced. Yeah, you'd be you'd be close to your peak at that stage, I guess. That's yeah. if you played every year. But yeah, I'll go with experienced. Experienced, but then you hit 200. You're a veteran. Yeah. And I mean that carries. When do you? What's after veteran? Well, we've found that when you get to 400, that's goat. Yeah, goat. Everyone just uses. I hate that fucking term. <laughs> That's like when people say, "Oh, I'm, I've got this take." Well, let me give you my take. It's like, shut up. It's an opinion. You fucking. Yeah. That's up there with woke, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. That's a term I, I don't. Like, why are we just using different words for stuff that we already had words for in the past? I know, right? It's just stupid. Yeah. You know. Maybe young people are too dumb to understand how English works. That's possible. But, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting to see what a veteran... I guess a veteran could also be... It's like journeyman. When you were journeyman, how many clubs do you have to be at before you're a journeyman? I think That's it's got to be five. Oh, do you reckon? See, I think it is four. Four? Be- because you got your first club, then you've moved to a second club. Your third club, you know the deal... But by you get time you get to your fourth club, then you're a journeyman. All right. We'll test you on this then. Okay. Who who do you think are some of the best journeymen that have played the game? Best journeyman. Oh man, that's a good question. It's very early in the season. I'm not in. I mean, not in mid-season form for this no, question. That's right. What about? Uh, okay, I would say. You now sneaking on, I think maybe to wear a nick out. Nick out. Yeah. Calling him a journeyman? Yeah. Played for Cronulla, played for the Storm, went over to England. Did, who did he play for? Was it someone we played like for Sheffield? Auckland initially, and he played for Sheffield and Warrington. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a journeyman. Um, man, there was one. Who was the journeyman that he, he went everywhere? Oh. Kevin Campion? Did, how many clubs did Campion play for? I think six. Let me have a look here. Are you serious? Six clubs? One, two, three, four, four. Yeah, he played for six clubs. I didn't think it was that many. The Chargers, St. George, the Rams, the Broncos, the Warriors, and the Cowboys. Didn't know he played for St. George. And he also played Tess for his home nation. Do you know what that one was? Kevin Campion. Would that have been like someone weird like Scotland? You weren't far off. It was Ireland. Ah, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, he's born in Serena, uh, in Queens, in the Queensland part of Ireland. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, other vet, other veterans. 
Oh, other a sorry, journeyman. journeyman. Um, hmm. Well, yeah, we can't be having this conversation without talking about Blake Green. Would you call him a journeyman? Parramatta, Cronulla, Canterbury, Melbourne, Manly, Warriors, Newcastle. Wow. Hull KR and Wigan. That's nine clubs. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. What about, um, oh, I've forgotten his name. James Maloney. Maloney, yeah, he's yeah, a journeyman. He's definitely a journeyman. Yeah, he's he's a gold star journeyman. Melbourne Warriors, Roosters, Sharks, Penrith, uh, and Catalan. What about when? What could you call yourself when you get? <laughs> I just thought of it. <laughs> when you get so journeyman's say, let's go by your one five, right? Okay. When you get to 10, you know what you're called? <laughs> Expendable. <laughs> Expendable. <laughs> Replaceable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. I had I had some other ideas. They're not real good. Um, there we go. Sprung that one on you. You've done well. I, I think I did all right. It's weird. I need to gear up. My rugby, my rugby league knowledge for the season. I go when the off this off season. I've switched right off. I, I was going to go fully into basketball mode, but then my team traded all of their good players. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's not real good at the moment. No. So just got another article here, which is looking at um, some trade news and rumours. All right. Apparently, according to this story. Jerome Luai is close to inking a $2.2 million deal over four years at Penrith. Yeah, I I think I saw something about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, if I was Penrith, I would say, dude, play for your contract this year. You want that money? Play for it. Yeah. Um, what's the other one here? Mike Acevo's manager has reportedly gauged the interest of rival clubs about a deal for his client. Yeah, well, um, that's his job. Yeah. <laughs> the deal will be desperate to hold on to him after telling Blake Ferguson that his services are no longer required beyond 2021. Sevo was getting injured a lot last year. Yeah. I, I wonder if you take a look at him the start of this year, if he... If he seems to have shrugged that off, I offer him a contract. But at the same time, Parramatta have been pretty good at finding wingers and finding them from nowhere. So it's an interesting one. Yeah, I I don't know. I think Siva's one of those players who obviously is an absolute talent. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. He's also one of those players who, because he's a a winger and nothing else. Mm-hmm. He should only be getting, you know, a standard, even an upper-class winger's pay, but not you're not going to see him getting five, six, seven hundred grand a year or stuff like that because he's a winger. Yeah. But the lower, the lower-ranked clubs will probably throw that sort of money at him. You know, that's that's just the sort of player he is. Like they see him as a game breaker. They figure we'll throw big money at him, and so I'd. Sivo's going to be one of those players who, if he does leave Parramatta, mm-hmm. it will be to go to a club that's 
lower than Parramatta. I wonder, I'm just thinking, like, where, what clubs would look at him? Where would he be good at? I think he'd probably be all right at Manly. They've got a, you know, they they went after um, Uate when he come off mm. contract. And so I think that they've shown that they'll go after a winger. Um, I don't think he'd be good at Newcastle. Newcastle is pretty good at producing its own. He, You know where he'd be really good? And I've just said we don't need anyone like that. But he'd be a good finishing piece at the Panthers. But he, he just, it, it, you know, how much he would ask for and the fact that the Panthers are pretty good at producing their own wingers, it just wouldn't be needed. No, but he'd, right. he'd be really good at Penrose. Yeah. So I think... I think Parramatta will, will hang on to him. Yeah, so do I. They're not going to want to be chasing two first-grade wingers next year. No, there's been a lot of rumours about Mitchell Pearce going to Parramatta too. It keeps on coming up. Mm. It's one of those ones where I really do think where there's smoke, there's fire, you know? You know it, why the, You know why there's a bit of merit to this? Why? Because Mitch Moses is as close to playing 100 games as a halfback at Parra. Yeah, they've got to get rid of him as soon as possible. Can't they, they just they just don't have that happen. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. I said it before, no one's done it at the club since Sturlow. It's a weird one. Mm. They they can't stick with a halfback, and I think they should. I think they'd be better off sticking with Moses instead of picking up Pierce. Yeah, I, d- I don't think. I, unless you're Parramatta and you've been watching Moses, because Moses had a really bad end to last year. Is carrying an injury, obviously. Um, I wonder how he's had, how he's gone in the off season with his training, and maybe they've just got a feeling about him. You know, I don't know. See, that's the thing is he had that that ankle injury, mm. and you know when you get those joint injuries, the even though the injury itself may heal perfectly fine and be back hundred percent, just like it always used to be, mm. mentally. It takes you a while to trust that it's good again. And I think that's where Moses was in the back half of the last year, is that it felt fine, but he couldn't, he just didn't trust it enough. And I think yeah. that's all it was. I think if he has a proper off-season and gets back to, you know, back to normal, I guess, he, I think he'll hit the ground running perfectly fine in round one. I think that's all it was. And most players generally do get over that. Yeah. I think that's all because he did remember he did get rushed back a little bit early too, and that's probably why that that trust in the in the injuries is there in the first place. Yeah, and look, I have a feeling it was probably a little bit worse than they let on because he he did he come back really really quickly, and he yeah. just didn't look the same. I, I felt no. really sorry for him because he didn't look like he wanted to. He didn't trust it. You that's, know, exact, and, that's exactly right, and the reason why he got brought back is Parramatta's attack. Died in the ass. Mm. Like they just could not score points. Um, they were doing enough to win games without him here and there, mm-hmm. but they went from being this red hot attacking machine in the opening few weeks to just struggling to score points. Yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, so that was that's an interesting thing. I reckon he, he should be fine though. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, when he's when he's on, especially with the way that the the Eels play, uh, you know, and he's got Brown outside him. It, it, he's just really exciting. He's he's like the perfect halfback for that team. But, 
yeah, I, I just hope that he does come back because Parramatta needs him firing. When he's not firing, they're pedestrian in attack. Yes. Now, I um just thought I'd chuck this in. I, I ran a few stats during the week. Yeah. And I was just looking at the 2020 season, just the regular yep. season, so not finals. Yep. And did ladders based on how each, time, each team fared against the top eight and the bottom eight at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And every single team, bar one, had at least one win against one of the top eight sides. Yep. And the one that didn't was Cronulla. Yeah, and it kind of looked like it in the finals, hey? Yeah, they were struggling bad. Yeah. Now, every single team, bar one, scored at least 100 points in games against top eight sides. And the one game, the one team that didn't was Parramatta. Wow, that's interesting. And I wonder... That, did I was they, going to say, yeah. I was going to say, I wonder if their draw had a lot of top eight teams after Moses got injured. Because I, I was at the... Thanks to Nadine, who got me uh, a ticket to the Parramatta, the Penrith versus Parramatta game at Penrith Footy Stadium. And we shut them down. Like, they they offered nothing against Penrith that night. Um, and part of it is because Moses was injured. But, yeah, I wonder if a lot, they played a lot of top eight teams in that second half of the season or not. It's, it's possible. Yeah. I think I think what happened is the, the top teams, I'll just have a look, but the top teams saw that the quickest and easiest way to shut down Parramatta is to shut down the kicking game of Moses because he, he was able to kick to his wingers. And when you've got two two great wingers like Steve Owen Ferguson who are great catching as well as and scoring tries, if you mm. shut down shut down getting the plays to those two guys, yeah, a lot of clubs found out that Parramatta's attack was a bit pedestrian outside yep. of that. Yep. Um, let's see. When did Moses get injured? He didn't miss too many games through injury. No, and that's the thing. Like I thought, I thought he was going to be out for months, and he come back. I think it was like three weeks or two weeks. Yeah. It was he missed really three weekly. He missed three games. Yeah. Um, the three games he missed were against the Cowboys, the Knights, and Manly. And then after that, they played Tigers, Bulldogs, Cronulla. Dragons, Melbourne, South, Warriors, Penrith, Brisbane, and Tigers. So only, they played four yeah, top so eight was... sides when he came back, and that's half of their games against top eight sides. They didn't play many games against them. Yeah. But, yeah, they they did struggle for points. Okay. They had a um, three, four. They had a five-week run there where they didn't even get to 20 points for a game. Yeah. They, they just look like a completely different team. Like at the start of the year, they looked like world beaters. It was like, who's going to beat Parramatta? And brutal. by the end of it, they were no one. No one was paying attention to them. They were just out of it. Yeah, their attack was very poor. Mm. Uh, so, so what? What, there? what other stats did you come up with? Just trying to see what else I did. Um, so the ladder for games versus the bottom eight. Mm-hmm. The Bulldogs were the only team to only register one win against the bottom eight sides. Okay. Everyone else had at least two. Brisbane had two. And then every other team had at least four. Oh, wow. Well, Let's jump up. So Manly Cowboys Dragons had four. The Tigers had six from eight. The Warriors had seven from eight. Penrith didn't lose a single game against the bottom eight side. Mm-hmm. 
And this is the thing, a lot of people were critical of, you know, criticizing the Sharks about how they struggled to be top eight teams. Yeah. But the Sharks showed that if you beat the teams you're supposed to, which are the teams in the bottom eight, you will make the finals. Yeah, and the thing about their season too, it was like, it was probably the best example of they found their level. Like, they literally found their level. They beat all the teams below them, and the teams above them, they struggled against. And it was it was a weird season like that for them. Yeah. Um, Sharks also had the best attack against bottom eight teams as far as total points scored. Mm-hmm. They scored 348 points in 12 games. All right. Uh, next best was Melbourne with 335, the Roosters with 333, South with 323, and then Penrith with 310. What about defensively against the bottom eight teams? Yeah, I've got that here too. Where's that one? Best defense against bottom eight sides. Um, so this is based on points per game. Yep. Melbourne had the best yep. at 10.73. Mm-hmm. Second best was the West Tigers at 10.9, oh, wow. which shows you how atrocious the Tigers were against top eight sides. Yeah, it really does. Uh, Roosters were third, Souths were fourth, Penrith fifth, mm-hmm. uh, Canberra sixth, the Cowboys seventh, Newcastle eight, Cronulla nine, Parramatta ten, and then you've got the Warriors, Manly Titans, Canterbury, Brisbane, and the worst team against bottom eight sides defensively was the Dragons. Whoa, that's terrible. Especially when you consider the season that the Brisbane Broncos had. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that was an interesting one, that one. What else do we have? Uh Best defence against the top eight sides, mm-hmm. Penrith, comfortably. Yeah, I was going to say, it must have been pretty good. It was 13.33 points per game they conceded. Melbourne was next at 14.91. Wow. So 1.6 points per game, better. It's Penrith. funny when you you look at the stats from Penrith last year in the regular season, and there were so many people that were trying to say, oh, yeah, but, 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 and there's just there was no buts about what they did. No, like that's every, right. Every single marker you look at, tr- like their defense against the top eight teams and, and things like that, it's all it was all outstanding. Yeah. As I said, that, that defensive system they used was really effective. And mm-hmm. even though teams um, could obviously see it and find out how it worked, it's still really, really hard to work around. Because essentially yeah. what it comes down to is Every single player was helping out their, you know, the guy next to them. They were there for each other. And you can't stop that sort of defense because it's not only good in a line with set defense, Mm. it's also good when you've got to have scattered defense. So you've got a, you know, broken field play. There's always two guys chasing. The thing about Penrith, too, they, they were doing it for 80 minutes. Yeah. Like, it just relentless. It was, uh, what a crazy season. It was just an amazing season. It's going to be really interesting to see how they bounce back and whether they've still got that same defensive ability because just to, look, just to equal it would be historic, you know? Like, what they did last year was historic in itself and I just can't imagine you back it up 
with the same thing again because, you know, Penrith, for what they did last year, they were outliers for all time teams. So they're going to be worse this year, you would think. But um, I, I think that the improvement in Penrith this year has to be in their attack and their ability to attack across the park in with more points of attack. You know, and if they can do that, that they should be an overall better team. But defensively, I can't imagine. Look, we might not see a, a defensive team like that Panthers side for years. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Um, the good thing Penrith Scott is they're still young, so they're still they're not even at the peaks of their careers for most of those players. Yeah. Um, so the one thing I would say they need to focus on for this year in attack, especially, is to get rid of the panic. Because sometimes yeah. didn't happen often, but sometimes when they were chasing points or they were struggling in the uh, you know the the on-field, I dare say, positioning, they would start to panic and start to push past, start to push plays, and they just find themselves chasing, you know, chasing their own tail a little bit at times. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was shown, you know, really strongly, I guess, in the grand final when they were under pressure, and a lot of that pressure came from their own mistakes, and they started to play more expansive to try and catch up and get back into the game and it wasn't working against a really good defense. So the the panic started to set in a little bit. And that's just something that does come from youthful exuberance. I think having got to a grand final and lost one, though, it might actually help them to realize that, you know, we need to, need to just grind away and wait for the opportunity to come. And I think that's something yeah. that we'll, we'll probably see them do a handle a lot better this year. Yeah, and, like, I mean, I think of a lot of it comes down to how Lil is going to play, you know. They need him to stand up and be a playmaker in his own right. And it, towards the end of the year, he got very, very quiet. Um, and I think a lot of that panic play comes from, you know, when you start to get frustrated, and because they're a young team, it, it they do you the idea that, you know, you, you keep doing the same thing and you just play the field position and they were great at that all year. And because they got themselves in a hole very early on against Melbourne, you know, they gave up 10 points just from penalties against Melbourne. And, they were, you know, it's just what happened. Yeah. Um, they you, found you themselves be, in a You can't be gifting Melbourne any points. No, no, not at all, especially 10 of them, like far Ten out. crazy. But... You know, and they come home strong towards the end, but by then the game was over. And but they need more points of attack. That in with Cleary, you got one. You know, Luai's got to step up. Uh, I think they need more from Edwards at fullback, definitely. Um, Aiton's great out of dummy half. He gives you something, but he was a little bit injured towards the end of the year, I think. Yeah. You know, Kikiao is another point of attack, but. I think he could be disappointing it towards the end of last year as well. So we'll see. We'll find out. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I I, I don't think they're going to go through the season with just one loss. No. That's going to be pretty hard to replicate. So, But I, I would, I'd be surprised if they weren't in at least the top five. I can't yeah. say them dropping far, but if they're, if they're not in the top five, I'd be surprised. I, I would say it's a, a really big... 
uh, I would say it's really disappointing season if they're not in the top three. Mm. Like, and they should be going into this year saying, "Let's get the minor premiership." That's right. Well, that should be their target. There's no reason yeah. they know now that they can do it, so there's no reason why they can't. Yeah. Yeah. Good chat. Well, yeah, that's been a good episode. Let's wrap it up. I think we should. Speaking of should. wrapping it up, mm-hmm. no, I can't make that segue. I'm sorry. Um, just go to manscaped.com.au. <laughs> in fact, you can do it if you're in the UK as well. They, they, they're they all across the world. Canada, we're very big in Canada. Um, so go to manscaped.com. You put in our code, which is NRL, you get 20% off and free shipping. Uh, the perfect package. It's fantastic. It gives you basically everything you need. So I always recommend that because if you get the perfect package, you, you get this. It's awesome unboxing experience. Uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 is just fantastic. You, when you use it, you'll be like, this is what I've needed my entire life. And the microfiber boxer shorts, I bring them up because I love them so much. So get that. Use the code NRL. You get 20% off free shipping. What more could you want? Our gift to you. Yeah, manscaped.com. Now, while we're right up, we're plugging stuff. Um, make sure you get over to league, you know, patreon.com forward slash league freak. Um, you can go there and you can make any donation to him. He's got a few tiers there. If you spend, you know, a bit more of your hard earned, then you can get a little bit of merch as well, which is always fantastic. And you'll be supporting one of the most experienced, we're going to use that term. We've discussed it already. One of the most experienced content creators in the rugby league world in Australia and in England. Why the hell not? Um, out there, so num- I used to say I was the number one personality in English rugby league. Hey, is there any reason why that would have changed? No, no. Like who's who is competing with me? Probably Richard. Richard, yeah. That's it. I was really, really worried when he said he knew some of the stuff I was posting <laughs> on the English boards. I was like, man, he's seen it. He's seen it. He knows. He knows he's seen, seen the monster. monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, also check out um, yeah, check out his website, leaguefreak.com. Obviously, full of articles, full of content. That's what you want. Content, yeah, it's leaguefreak.com, rugbyleaguepodcastingnetwork.com. Madquackers.com. What else have I got? Red Devils. Southfordreddevils.co.uk. Yeah. Uh, internationalrl.com. Is that the one? <laughs> I think so. RLWC9s.com. Something like that. I own that. Um, I think that's it. Oh, I hate rugbyunion.com, but something's wrong with that one at the moment. But I do own that. I was just starting to like Rugby Union. No, no, it's just <laughs> I, last time I went to it, last time I put in I hate rugbyunion.com, it just didn't point to the right place. It was coming up as it wasn't working. So I have to fix that up. Okay. There we go. Check that out. Yeah. And uh, let's see what else is there. You check out our podcast website, people. Oh, yeah. We've not been getting any emails or any comments on a podcast. Come on, surely, surely you can give us something. Bit of content at the end to read out. Bit of, bit of, you know, banter with the fans. That's what we want. So we get out to, there. It, it's about encouraging people to do it. Hey. Yeah. 
Like, how can we encourage people to do it? Um, how's it about if people get in there and they start doing that, we might get Carsten Brummer on. Ooh, to, yeah. To answer some of the emails. If we, Okay, how about this? How about this, right? If How many ratings do we have on Apple at the moment? 80, I think. 80, okay. If we get 85 by within the next 10 days, for, so if we get 85, they got to be five-star ratings. Yep. If we get to 85, we'll bring on Carson Brummer. There you go. You won't, you won't regret that. No, and, we, and we, we, pro- we promise to put it up. <laughs> we, we promise to publish it as well. Yeah, yeah. Because at the moment, there's only there's only been three people that have heard his his only um episode with us. You know what? He brought up a really good fact actually that we were live streaming that. <laughs> yes, but that was before too many people were getting involved. With us, so I don't think anyone was actually listening to us when we did the live stream. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. It was there was a bit of journeyman activity going on there. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. He's a good bloke. He's very knowledgeable on the international game and quite a funny fucker as well. He is. He's, he was really good to talk to. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being good to talk to, right? If you go to patreon.com forward slash RL project, you can you can be responsible. Like directly responsible for the digitization of rugby league history, and you can also have access to the Rugby League Project 2020 annual, which has all of the statistics you could want, some fantastic articles. It uh, shows off some of the best content creators in rugby league in 2020. So go there. Join up. You can sign up for as little as one US dollar a month, right up to twenty-five million US dollars a month. It's totally up to you. If you yeah, get a twenty-five million dollar a month, I, I want half. All right. If I get twenty-five million US per month, yeah. Uh, first month I'll buy the Super League. Yes. And then second month I'll hire you to run it. Nice. That yeah, that would work. And I also want. A replica of the General Lee. That's the one thing I would want if I was rich, hey? Replica or the actual thing? The actual thing's probably all banged up by now. It's up to you. I mean, I've got 25 million US a month. I'm sure I'll sure be able to sling it either way. Uh, yeah, that's either way. I'll just, you know, I'll just get both. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good <laughs> one. That's a good one, actually. We'll do that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so get in and check that out. That'd be fantastic. Um, yeah, as I said, get over there, leave us a comment. Uh, you can you can drop us an email on the website, Freaky. Yeah, the website is com. You go to the contact tax section. There's a little form there to fill out. It's a real basic form. It's like put your name in. You don't even have to put your name in. Put anyone's name in. Um, I think you've got to put your email in. I can't even remember, which tells you that you know, it, it lets me email you back, yeah, so. And then put in your message. Simple as that. And we'll read it out and we'll have a chat about it. Mm. Um, if you leave us a comment on your podcast listening device, we'll put it up on our uh, on our website as well. Get up on the website, yep. We'll read them out got, on the show. I've got to do some of them. I've got to get some more of them up on the website. 
And uh, yeah, Get check us out on YouTube and LinkedIn and Instagram. I, I was really good with Instagram for about two episodes. Yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, it was going uh, great. We got a few followers, and then I stopped doing it again. So I'll have to get back on that and fix it up. Facebook. Yeah, Did I can't remember the Facebook, Facebook page. LinkedIn. Hey, Facebook's old hat. <laughs> I've got to change. I've got to change my LinkedIn profile. By the way, I got to add artist. Artist. Yeah, I've done. I did paint. see you've been doing a bit, of, a bit of artistry. I saw you yeah. tweet about that. Yeah. What's been going on? You want to give us a bit of insight? I've been painting stuff. You've been painting stuff. Yeah. All right. Not going to go any further than that. Nah. Okay. <laughs> We'll move on. Uh, yeah, we're also on LinkedIn, YouTube. Go over there, subscribe to us on YouTube, like all the videos. It'll take you a while, but do that. That'd be fantastic. Um, open them all up and play them all. Just in a, in a second browser. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we'll wrap this sucker up. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us all next time. <laughs>